KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In-Depth. I'm Matt Leon. We've talked about a lot of numbers connected to this pandemic. You hear all kinds of numbers in just about every story with regards to COVID-19. But we were interested in one metric we've heard more and more in connection with the pandemic. It's called the r naught. It's basically how contagious a disease is. We wanted to learn all about the r naught. So to do so, we reached out to Dr. Annette Raboli. She is the dean of the Cooper Medical School of Rowan University in Camden, New Jersey. She's an epidemiologist, and she was gracious enough to answer our questions. Give a listen. So let's start with the basics. What is an r naught number? Okay, so R0 is a mathematical term that's used in epidemiology. Uh, It basically is the expected number of cases uh, that would be generated by one case that is infected in a population or one person that's infected in a population where the assumption is that everyone in the population is susceptible to infection. So it's done based upon a mathematical model. The other term for it is also called basic reproductive number. Now, this should not be confused with a rate. It, uh, it's a unitless number. It doesn't have dimensions to it, etc. The higher the number the more infectious or contagious an infectious disease is felt to be. So one of the most contagious is uh, something like measles. Uh, The number that has been calculated, the R naught for that has been calculated to be about 18. If you look at sort of a laundry list of uh, various infectious diseases, those that are spread through aerosols, tend to be the most contagious. You know, you may have seen some movies where somebody coughs or sneezes and then the people around them get into that uh, plume and get um, infected. Uh, Interestingly, some of the, it's not a comment on the virulence of the organism. So you take something like Ebola that is very virulent, that has a much lower number. So if you talk about uh, the R naught, you could break it down for a value less than one, a value of one, or a value of greater than one. For less than one, each uh, infected individual will cause less than one new infection. And in that case, the disease will decline and burn out over time. Uh, If the value is one for the R naught, each infection will cause one new infection. That's a stable situation. You're not going to get an outbreak or an epidemic or a pandemic. And if the R naught is greater than one, each infection will cause more than one new infection and the disease will be transmitted between people. And that's where you will get an outbreak, an epidemic, or even possibly a pandemic. So at this point, what do what are we going on that the R naught is for COVID nineteen, and does it depend on where you are and what data you're looking at? 
Yes. So it depends on the uh, mathematical model that is used. Now, you know, this is a new disease. We don't know as much about it. We're learning new things about it every day. So the numbers that I've seen for it vary. I've seen numbers in the twos all the way up to a number of 8.9. It's a useful calculation, I think, because it could actually help you once there is a vaccine available. It could help you calculate what percentage of the population would need to be immune to stop its transmission, either through vaccination or herd immunity. If you talk about one of the values I've seen is for a COVID-19, if the value is around five and a half to six, then you need at least 82% of the population needs to be immune either through one of those mechanisms, either through actual vaccination or through herd immunity to stop its transmission. It is a useful value. It's more than a theoretical. How is the, I understand the, like, you know, one person could infect. How's the math used? Like, is it number of cases divided by population? How is the the math worked out to get to that art model? The formula, you know, the simplistic way to look at it is, uh, you know, just the numerator and the denominator. But there's actually a calculation. The calculation of it, the models that use depend upon uh, using the infectious period. So, for example, some infections are infectious longer than others. Okay, so they use an, an estimate of the infectious period, the contact rate. A high contact rate leads to a higher R-naught value. The mode of transmission. Um, So uh, the diseases that are transmitted fastest and easiest are ones that travel through the air, through aerosols in the air. Now, the major way for COVID-19 is felt to be droplets, but there is some evidence that there might be aerosols, aerosols generated even by simply speaking. So mode of transmission becomes important in it. So those are the three main um, uh, pieces of the calculation, infectious period, contact rate, mode of transmission. All those play into the generation or the calculation of the r naught. You mentioned measles being frighteningly transmissive, like or uh, very contagious through this. Can you give us some other diseases that we'd be familiar with and what they oh, yes. would, where they would line up on the table? Yes. So uh, measles, the high end of the r naught again, depending upon the mathematical model used, ranges from around 12 to as high as 18. That's vaccine preventable, of course. Uh, mumps, about 10. The original SARS was about four. Ebola is about two. Okay, Ebola is about two, you know, influenza, one and change in that range. So the value, as I said, is affected by a number of, of factors, including environmental conditions, how the population behaves, opportunities for interaction, for those types of things. On the road we're on now, how far out are we? in your opinion, your expert opinion, to getting to that r naught of under one? is Are we on the well, beginning of a long road? So 
the number is what the number is. Um, but uh, we are away from uh, developing the necessary herd immunity. So we're quite a distance off from that. So, you know, that number, while it's not a biological constant, that number is the calculated number that helps then determine the uh, view toward the numbers needed for herd immunity. So we're a long way from that magic 82%. I've seen some other numbers, 66%, 70, 82. So we're a, a way off from those numbers at this point. A vaccine, vaccines are being developed. Some of those vaccines have entered clinical trials. Some are projecting earlier availability. Others are saying you know, uh, a year, 18 months. So we're, we're away from that. Herd immunity, you know, we will, once we have more widespread testing, we will then be able to know what percentage of the population, if you do a seroprevalence study looking at antibody, then you'll be able to tell, you know, whether there is a lot of natural immunity now within the population. We won't know that until we have more widespread and reliable testing available. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell with regard to r That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you want to know how what you see or hear on the news is going to change your own life or your own routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 